Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 537 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. The schedule is upon us. We are here to talk about who the Blue Devils will be playing this year and when they will be playing those games. Before we talk about that, I am Jason Evans. I'll be your host, your Sherpa through the wilderness, as we uh, embark on this podcast today. I am joined by Donald Wine. Donald, how are you doing this fine evening? Jason, this is a very exciting time for just duke athletics right basketball has started the official first official practice was yesterday yep. we're going to talk about some things that we heard in a, in a video that just dropped like 10 minutes ago we're not even going to talk about the notre dame game and how college game day is coming the football version is coming to wow. campus for the very first time ever we <laughs> we've we're so excited about that we're not even gonna, we're just going to save that excitement for later on this week we do have uh, an interview that we're that we're lining up for uh, later on this week that hopefully fans will enjoy as we preview that game. So we're going to set that aside, uh, excitement aside, and talk about the excitement that is the ACC schedule. I'm really excited to talk about those. There's a lot. There's a lot in this schedule. Yes, and and by the way, there's one other thing I want to take care of very quickly because uh, we uh, first of all we got so many emails about what a great time people had listening to us. Talk about the the, uh, the commitment of Khan Knippel. Um, we had a great time recording that podcast. All of you had a great time listening to it. I can't even count how many emails we got from people who were like, I was laughing my ass off. Um, I wish Sam <laughs> was with us to, to enjoy the accolades because I think he was in rare, rare form 
on that on that podcast. But I wanted to point out that we in fact got an email from Khan Knipple's father, Khan Khan two or K two as he's known. His father, who's also Khan, went ahead and wrote to the DBR podcast because. I was, and I was the one guilty of most of this. We were butchering like his family tree, trying to figure out on the fly different kinds of stuff, what the names of different people were and who was related to who. And it was just a terrible, terrible mess. And I want to apologize to the entire Knipple family. Um, when Khan wrote to us, he was not, he wasn't at all upset or anything. He seemed really happy. It seemed like he and the family had enjoyed the podcast and such, but he did want to clarify things. Uh, the player. Wait, before you do... get to the clarification, yeah, Jason. Yeah. I do want to note that he he mentioned the fact that you know he just we we kind of like joked about the fact that Khan too basically called up the coach and said, "Hey guys, I'm coming. Okay, thanks. Have a good night." And just like posted it and like went about his Thursday evening. And he was like, "Yo, we're really glad you actually pointed that out because Jason, if you actually go to his Twitter page." That is his very first social media post. Yeah. That is so our, pointed his that father out. pointed out. I was like, that that is his he's like, that is very much con to like he is not a guy that is about, you know, driving this dragging this out and making a lot of celebrity about it. He just said, I just want to make the decision and go watch Thursday night football, which is exactly what he apparently did. Right. So here's the clarification. Uh Khan's name the, the player who's coming to Duke is named Khan two or K2. His his middle name is literally so, the Roman number. Go ahead, two. go ahead. Yeah, it's literally the Roman number two. So he is known as K two or Khan two. Not to be confused with his father. His father, again, is Khan. Khan's brothers are Clint, Clay, and Cole, all with K's. And and yes, they were the Flying Knipple brothers. They were named that by Gus Macker himself, who said they ran such crazy plays that they looked like a circus out there. And he compared them to the Flying Walendas, which is just so amazing <laughs> and con two k2 has four brothers their names are cager with a k kinston with a k and by the way con pointed out to us that uh kinston is because um his great grandmother lived in kinston north carolina shout out to uh shout out to north carolina kinston 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 north carolina home of brendan ingram yes yes and then the other two are Cash with a K and Kid. The youngest of them, I believe, is named Kid Knipple. Um, in any event, I'd love to get that email from Khan. It was a ton of fun. And uh, I'd love to get his son on board. The kid seems like just so old school, so smart about basketball. Incredible basketball roots. His mother's the all-time leading scorer at Wisconsin Green Bay. We mentioned his dad and all his uncles are like, you know, legends out there in the basketball world. This is this is a great great fun thing for Duke, and his his mom is is a Carrie. I think she she saw the original post. I think is how we end up getting linked with her. Her name yeah. begins with a C, and I believe the sister of the uh, you know K 2s sister is called is named Caitlin with a C. So all the women it sounds like have names that start with C. All the guys have names that start with K. It, it's a lot of alliteration. It's a lot of, I mean, a lot of, a lot of K's, a lot of C's, a lot of basketball. And as Sam so eloquently put on the last podcast, about 27 feet of Knipple. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Let's put the Knipple aside. Uh, stick the Knipple back 
back in the closet and uh, and get to the Duke schedule for the 23-24 season, which was uh, dropped. We already knew about the non-conference games. I don't want to get into talking about, oh, Arizona on the 10th and Michigan State on the 14th of November. We already knew about all that stuff. Oh, the schedule starts with Dartmouth, Dartmouth November 6th. Again, all that stuff was already known. What was revealed today, what was revealed tonight, literally uh, you know, a couple hours ago, was the ACC schedule. And, and uh, look, let's be clear, non-conference games, important. But the ACC schedule is the meat of what Duke's schedule is all about. And to a large extent, that that is what will determine whether the regular season is a successful one, how Duke does in that ACC schedule. It begins on December 2nd with a game at Georgia Tech. And I want to point out an interesting little wrinkle. That game is one of, I believe, three games that will be broadcast on the CW network. We talked about this in the podcast a while back. You're going to have to look for the ACC in places you haven't looked for it in the past. We think this is a good thing. But that game on December 2nd, Duke at Georgia Tech, first ACC game, will be on the CW. Additionally, there's a um, uh, Duke has a game against Charlotte on the CW, and uh, their game against Queens is on the CW. I think that's the only ACC game that Duke has that's on the CW. And then the schedule continues on and ends March 9th against North Carolina, um, a, a, you know, a home game where the Blue Devils will host the Tar Heels, which will be a huge, huge deal, as it always is. Donald, let me go to you. Looking through this ACC schedule, what are your big takeaways from it? And let me ask you, first question, uh, you know, what is there a stretch of this schedule that you look at and you go, damn, that's because I feel like in years past, I would always look and go, oh, here's a three game set that is going to be really tough. You know, wow, this is a, you know, this is a, a week, week and a half where the Blue Devils are going to have their hands full with these three games. I hope we win one, maybe two of them. I'll, I'll be honest, man, and maybe it's that I don't think the ACC is quite as strong maybe as in the past and the such, but I don't really see a three-game stretch that I'm like, that's going to be really difficult. There's some game, you know, I'm not saying that Duke's going undefeated or anything silly like that, but are you with me? It's doesn't look, It looks like it's spread out a little more than usual. It is spread out a little more than usual. Having said that, before we get into kind of some of the, the details of this, let me answer your question about where I think the 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 biggest – you know, parts of the schedule are where I go, hey, this could be a really tough stretch. There's a stretch uh, on February 17th, February 21st, and then February 24th. We are on the road three times at FSU, where we traditionally do not play well, at Miami, where we traditionally do not play well, and at Wake Forest, where last year we got absolutely mollywopped. So those three games in a row, I think, are is the, is the main stretch where I'm like, okay, this could be fairly difficult. The other one, is just a couple weeks later. You have Saturday, uh, March 2nd. We have our only game against UVA. That's going to be a big one. That's going to be in Cameron. And then, Jason, a couple of po podcasts ago, we ep or a couple episodes ago, we talked about how NC State, we hate going there when it's the only game that we play on the schedule with NC State. We go to NC State on Monday. So it's one of those, we have three Saturday, Monday back-to-backs. That is one of them. And so I think that one could be a tough one only because UVA is going to be a tough opponent. They usually are. Those games are usually tough. And then also, again, playing in Raleigh, it seems like we we never really are fully right when we go uh, to Raleigh. And so I think that would be the other one. But really, I'm looking at that one where we have three road games in a row at places where we traditionally have not really played well. That's probably the one where I think we're looking at. But Jason, look, I talked about the three, you know, back-to-backs that we have 
I think the interesting thing about these is that two of them are we have a game at home on Saturday followed by a road game on Monday. And then after that, we have a week and then we face UNC, whether it be at home or on the road. So I, I think before it used to be where we'd have that UNC game and then UNC would be part of that middle UNC game would be part of a Saturday back-to-back. This year it is not. We have two back-to-backs that precede that week where we kind of get off leading up to UNC. And I think that actually kind of bodes well where we can get past that and then have some time to rest before we play UNC on the road on February 3rd. And then we get another set of rest where we don't have to play another team right after the, the, the emotional high of playing that game. We get a few days off to kind of taper, come back to earth before we play Notre Dame. So yeah, I, I'm looking at the schedule and it seems fairly even evened out for us rather than yeah. in years past where we kind of have a murderer's row of team after team after team where we kind of have to say, man, can we get through this two week stretch for, for me, it's really just a one week stretch where we have to really worry about. Yeah. And look, for the most part, I think we don't know how good some of these sort of middle tier ACC teams are going to be. I'm, I'm uncertain about Florida state. I'm uncertain about wake forest. Look, Miami, Virginia, maybe Clemson, certainly UNC. Those are teams that I expect to be pretty good and to be a challenge for Duke. But, you know, a lot of these other stretches that you identified as potentially difficult, I I don't know about NC State. You know, that Virginia, NC State, North Carolina stretch at the very end of the season. Yeah, Virginia, North Carolina, really good. Probably both going to be top 15, top 20 teams in the country. But we get those two at home. And the NC State game, yeah, you're right. It's a short turnaround from Virginia to NC State. But, I mean, with the exception of going to Carolina, going to NC State is as easy a road trip as Duke gets in terms of distance, in terms of, you know, exhaustion and the such. It's just going to be a simple bus ride. So, And I, I, and and Jason, just to be, to be fair with these back-to-backs. And again, I'm not necessarily looking at the team, so to speak. I'm just looking at the venues and just kind of traditionally how we play at those venues. I also look at that Virginia Tech game, again, a team that they may not be, they're always, you know, 50-50 and whether they're going to be good or not. But going to Castle always seems like it's been an issue for us, especially on a short turnaround. So I'm looking at these games, and I think all of it will be based on the confidence that this that this whole conference has once they enter, you know, late December, early January. That means getting through their non-conference. If it's like last year where we have a bunch of teams that are losing to teams that they shouldn't, then yeah, I think we're looking at these games in a little bit different light than if some of these teams kind of rattle off some wins beat some big opponents in that non-conference schedule and they and we get a few more teams ranked than the three that are currently in that way too early top 25 poll that that most people are, are referencing so yeah i think the other thing jason is we have 13 games from december 30th that is a saturday we play every single saturday for the rest of the season after that that is something that i don't think we've done in a very long time we usually have one game or one week where we kind of have a bye week, so to speak. Uh, and we do have one uh, between uh, Georgia Tech and Georgia Pittsburgh. Tech game on in yeah, Pittsburgh. We have no midweek game. Yeah. But every Saturday, that's going to be something where, hey, that could be a good thing, but it's also a test because every single weekend, it means that we're going to be facing a team that may be coming off some rest. And I haven't looked at the schedule, to be fair, of all the other schools to kind of see who's coming off of rest when they come to play us or if they have three days of rest versus our two. Those are little things that you kind of look and kind of say, okay, maybe they're getting an advantage here. But 
playing every Saturday might get us into a rhythm where we know when the weekend hits, Saturday is on. That means it's Duke Day, and we're we're and our guys are ready to play. And as we continue throughout the season, that could actually be a boost for us, being able to know that every Saturday these guys know they have to be ready to go. Yeah, I agree. I I, I just keep on looking at the schedule and sort of saying to myself, every time I think, oh, this could be a tough stretch, there there's a game that I sort of go, okay, and I I take a little bit of a breath. I, I almost think that the you, you know, you identified those three road games in February. I almost think the toughest stretch might be January 27, January 29, February 3rd, Clemson at home. And I think Clemson, there's a chance Clemson is really good this year. Mm-hmm. Then Duke goes at Virginia Tech. You already mentioned that one. And at Carolina, um, that, you know, the, the that one week, January 27th to February 3rd, I think that could be a, a challenging stretch for the Blue Devils. Uh, you know, especially if Clemson really gives them a game at home. But the rest of it, I'm just looking at it. And it, yeah, I, I, again, there are games Duke could lose. No question about it. But but I feel like it's stacked up pretty nicely for us. And I actually, one other thing I wanted to mention, I actually kind of like that it feels like the schedule starts out fairly easy. We we play at Georgia Tech, and I don't believe Georgia Tech's going to be very good. We absolutely destroyed them yesterday. I don't think they're going to be good this year. We then have a game, a home game against Syracuse. Uh, you know, may, uh, Syracuse, it's tough. The, the, no Jim Beheim, so they won't be playing zone. So it's going to be hard to figure out exactly what kind of team Syracuse will be. But come on, Duke and Cameron against a Syracuse team that doesn't look that great. I like that. We're at Notre Dame. We're at Pittsburgh. Love you, Jeff Capel. But I feel like, and then and then we have home games against Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh and at Louisville. I, I feel like, like, like the first six games there, I, I'll be – I'll be a little bit shocked if Duke is less than a 10-point favorite in any of those games. I'm serious about that. Maybe the game at Pitt were less than a 10-point favorite, but I think the rest of them, Duke is going to be a very solid favorite in those games, and I think we will get off to a really strong uh, uh, place in the standings in the ACC, and and it may really boost this team's confidence. Jason, another thing that I think bodes well for us in the schedule, I mentioned all the Saturday games that we do have. There are 13 Saturday games on this schedule. The great thing for people who have tickets to games in Cameron this year is that nine of them are home games. So that means there's a lot of games where a lot of fans are are going to be able to come out and watch this team play. Uh, um, Conversely, for us, we talked again a couple episodes ago about these places that we wanted to go visit. All of them happen to be during the middle of the week, except for I think you mentioned Notre Dame as a potential place you'd want to go see us play. They're one of the one of the four games that fall on the weekend. Of course, UNC, uh, the, the the road game is also on a Saturday at Florida State and then at Wake Forest. So th- there's a couple of these things where I'm just like, yo, I, I'm not sure if this was set up this way on purpose uh, or if this just had to be happenstance. But the fact that we have so many home games at on a weekend means for those people who do have tickets or for people who want to be able to get down and experience Cameron for the first time, or, or, or even just, you know, like, you know, kind of like you and I do kind of go down once a year, it's going to be so much easier to go down to some of these games because they're a lot of them are afternoon games. A lot of, there's a couple of evening games. I think there's only two games that start at 9 PM on the, in the, in the ACC portion of the schedule, which I think is great. There's not a lot of late night games for us. So I think all of this bodes well and maybe makes it where our guys can get into a rhythm. And Jason, when you talk about how good this team can be, and we both think this can this team can be extremely good, a lot of it requires luck and no injuries and things like that. But sometimes the schedule plays a factor in that too. And being able to get into a rhythm means that you know this team can just 
be able to be ready on these days that they're going to be playing. That's going to be Saturdays. That's going to be Wednesdays, like Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, maybe a couple of Mondays here and there to kind of throw, to kind of keep them honest. But man, the schedule kind of looks pretty good this year. And I'm pretty excited about the possibility of what Duke can do with it. The the last thing I'll say about the schedule, you, you correctly identified those Saturday, Monday turnarounds and, Oh, you know, is that a big concern for the most part? They appear to be with, uh, I think, with only one exception, they are either home games. The Monday game is either a home game or it's a game, you know, at NC State, which is basically right in our backyard. The other thing is, I don't worry about the Saturday Monday as much as I usually would, because I think and I could be wrong, but I think you're going to see an incredibly deep, perhaps unprecedented deep Duke team this year. And I'm not, you know, we, we had we had a a wild prediction a couple episodes ago where someone said, is anybody on this Duke team going to average 30 minutes per game? While I think there will be, I don't think there will be guys who are averaging 32, 33, 34 minutes per game. I think if Duke needs to, they will easily be able to ease back on anyone's minutes. And so in those quick turn kind of games, I think Duke's going to be in a really good p- position because we are such a deep team that is going to be, you know, able to roll so many different guys out there. Yeah. I, I think uh, just to, to clarify on the Saturday Monday turnarounds that we have, there's again there's three of them. Saturday, this uh, January twenty seventh, we're home against Clemson as you mentioned. We're on the road at Virginia Tech that uh, Monday. Then you have the two, the one that we have two home games. We have home against BC on February tenth, and then February twelfth we're home against Wake Forest. That would be our third straight home game after playing at UNC. So again, a stretch where we get to kind of. Uh, at least be in the friendly confines of Cameron Indoor Stadium for that point. And then again, the final one, home versus UVA, and then on the road at NC State, which again is not a road trip, so to speak. So yeah, I, I think they, again, even with the back, the Saturday, Monday back-to-backs, they didn't get that many, and they kind of lucked out with who they got on those. Again, probably like you mentioned, the hardest one could be the one at Virginia Tech because they always we always seem to catch them when they've gotten some rest and we are coming off of a short turnaround and that's going to be no exception again, haven't looked at what Virginia tech is doing at that point, but I think this schedule loads up and look, this can be a really special year for Duke. We have a lot of things we need to do, right? We can focus on these team games one at a time, but when you look at this schedule, there's a lot to be excited about. If you're a Duke fan, especially those who are holding tickets this season in Cameron Andrews stadium, there's going to be a lot of good teams coming to town, a lot of Saturday games, and a lot of games that should be very exciting from start to finish. By the way, Donald, last thing I want to mention, I hope that you have circled March 12th to 16th in your calendar because the oh, ACC yeah. tournament, the ACC tournament this year is in Washington, D.C. Come and... see me. Yeah. <laughs> catch me outside. Come, no, actually, catch me inside. Yeah. Look, the last time it was here was 2016. It was actually supposed to be here in 2020. Um, or I'm sorry, 2021. They moved it because of COVID. They they basically switched us with Greensboro, and so when I was when it was in 2016 when it was here, let me tell you uh, what is now the Capital One Center. I just lived there for the week between Duke and Miami. <laughs> I I they like literally were like, hey man, you got to go. And I'm like, dude, I'm coming back in in like 20 minutes. Can I just stay here? And they're like, no, technically you actually have to leave so we can scan your ticket again. But I was just there basically for the better part of a week. I, I have no plans on that changing. Uh, so anyone who decides they want to have me working uh, the week of March 12th to 16th, good luck with that. I'm not going to be <laughs> not going to be there. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, there's some football to talk about. 
We got to recap that game against UConn and captains. John Shire reveals something about who the Duke captains are. That news in just a moment. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, we're back from the break, Donald. And the first thing I want to get to is this. The Blue Devils, the football Blue Devils, as expected, moved to 4-0 with a 41-7 victory over UConn. As crazy as it sounds, 41-7 doesn't even really describe how big 
of a beatdown this was by the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, a tremendously impressive win for them. Uh, UConn scored their seven points like in the final minute, final 20 seconds or so. It was mm-hmm. it was the very, very end of the game, you know, playing against the Duke, the Duke subs, the deep subs on defense. A incredibly dominant effort by the Duke defense, which we've seen again, again, and again. And again, Donald, we've mentioned to the fan to everybody out there, we're not going to really get into a Notre Dame preview. I don't want to start talking too much about Notre Dame. We're going to have a special episode where we do that in just a couple of days. But I do want to get into what happened in this UConn game. Get, give me your you know, give me your takeaways. What was the the thing that you noticed the most, either good or bad, about what the Blue Devils did in demolishing UConn? Can we start with the worst thing that happened in this game? The sure, worst thing please. that happened in this game happened to UConn. UConn invited Cooper Flag to take an official visit last week, this past <laughs> yes, weekend, yes, and brought him to the game. So Cooper, hope you had a good time in in, uh, in East Hartford at at the, at the rent, uh, watching our Duke team play. Because uh, when you come for countdown in a couple weeks, let me tell you, the home team's going to win that one. I promise you. Uh, so yeah, UConn, that, that was a bold strategy. Not sure if it paid off for him, uh, but yeah. So first of all, I think the one thing we need to focus on, Riley Leonard, I thought took care of the football. You know, he didn't have uh, his best, his most accurate game. He's been pretty accurate this year. So that's like hard, harsh criticism. Uh, but he still threw for 248 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. The rushing game, I think, was the one thing where we didn't get a lot of rushes. But at the same time, we we're also just beating the absolute living, like, piss out of, of UConn every single way. So I'm not too concerned about the running game only having 74 yards. I mean, they've been averaging 200 yards uh, so far this season. So I'm not necessarily concerned about it, but it's definitely something you want to have as we move forward. Yeah, let me jump in on the on the running game really quickly because, uh, look, in a game that you win 41 to 7, a game that we essentially were up 41 to nothing, there's, there's not a lot to complain about, but I'm going to try to. I thought that we were kind of sloppy at times, especially on the offensive line. We were called for three holding penalties, uh, I didn't think the offensive line opened up running lanes the way they had in earlier games. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, Duke had just 74 yards on the ground. Almost half of those came from Riley Leonard, you know, sort of ad-libbing and and doing his thing, which which is, you know, that's great. Obviously, it's a huge part of the Duke attack. But you would hope that Jordan Waters and Jacquez Moore would do more than they did in this game. Uh, there was no Duke running back who averaged even three yards per rush. Waters and Moore combined to have 14 carries for 26 yards. Our two main running backs average less than two yards per rush. And UConn is not a team that is known for having a great defensive line. So that, you know, it's a real source of concern. I guarantee you, as happy as Mike Elko was with this victory, one of the major things that they talked about in film sessions, one of the things they're working on this week is, guys, we did not get it done on the ground the way we have in previous games. That said, that's my criticism. I'm going to move to the biggest positive, which I thought was the defense. Uh, it felt oh, yeah. like Aeneas Peebles on the defensive line for Duke was in the UConn backfield as much as their quarterback was. He had two sacks, including one, by the way, where he backed up UConn. They had a, a, a third down. They were in field goal range, and he, he backed them up and made it into a longer field goal, which they ended up missing. Um, he had a couple other tackles for loss. He had a great game. The Duke defensive line remained uh you know incredibly strong in this game and the defensive backfield you know i think you know because interceptions sort of are the stat that you look at 
with with the with cornerbacks and the such. The, these guys don't get enough credit for the just incredible job they're doing bottling up receivers. The UConn quarterback was 13 of 28 in this game. It's less than 50%. In fact, I went back and looked. There is not a single quarterback that Duke has faced this season other than, you know, like at mop-up time, very, very late in the year, that has completed more than 53% of their passes against Duke. Again, quarterbacks are struggling to complete 50% of their passes against the Blue Devils. By comparison, just so you can compare it, Riley Leonard's completing almost 68% of his passes this year. So that is a... And that's clear... down, like, again, I think it was like 75% entering this yeah. game. Yeah. But that is a clear strength of the Duke team. And even though I said I wasn't going to mention them, it is worth noting that Notre Dame's Sam Hartman is completing better than 70% of his passes. And I think one of the big keys to that game is going to be the Duke defensive backfield, which is just not letting anyone get open versus Sam Hartman and his incredible ability to complete a high number of passes. Donald, anything else on that UConn game that you, you want to add before we get to a little more basketball? Yeah, let me stuff? yeah, let me let me give the defense their flowers as well. Yo. The, there's a couple things about this defense that I think are different from years past. One, they fly to the football. They are all over the football, like white on rice. Every single play, it seems like there's multiple guys that are involved in anything that we do, whether it be a sack, tackle for loss, uh, you know, even even if they give up a big play and, they're, and we're rushing, there's still three or four guys around the football. I think that's tremendous in compared to previous years where you'd have one guy that might miss a tackle and then we'd give up the big play because there'd be no one to cover behind them. If someone even misses a tackle, there's still two or three guys that the opposing guy has to run through to even get back to the line of scrimmage. And I think that's super great. The, and the, by the way, Donald, the secondary, of, yeah. By the way, Donald, part of that, you know, being ball hawking the way they are shows up in fumble recoveries. Duke, Duke mm -hmm. had two more takeaways this game, two fumble recoveries, and the offense committed zero turnovers. So uh, that 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 is a huge part, I think, of the of the pursuit that you're talking about when the ball gets on the turf, the Duke guys are on it. Yeah. And the other thing that I'll, uh, I, uh, again, that is different from years past is we're not really giving up the big play. When we think about the entirety of the game, UConn only rushed for 89 yards and 39 of it was one play, right? Like that was the only big play for, really that they kind of gave up all game was a 39 yard rush, but they only had 89 yard, yards rushing total again, receiving, they only had 114 yards receiving of which 24 came on one play. And, you know, 24, that's, that's nothing that that's, you know, that's, a, that's a, not even a long throw in today's college game. So these guys are really going after it. And it seems like they're challenging themselves to be like, no, we're not giving up anything. We don't want to give up a big play. We don't give up a medium length play. We don't want to give up first downs. This team has been incredible all year in the defensive end. Of course, we're going to look forward to this weekend when they have a big test coming to town and just the hype around that game. But these guys are living in the moment and every single play, it feels like they play like it's their last play and they want to go all out and they've done it every single play. That's what I think is so tremendously uh, inspiring about this team this year is that on both sides of the football, but particularly the defense, these guys have a knack for saying, signaling this is our moment and they're sharing the spotlight with each other. And the only guys that it feels like that are out there that are challenging them are the other players on their team. And because of that, our defense has been incredible. And I mean, Northwestern, the only team that's only that's gone more than seven points on us. 
this is a schedule that so far has included Clemson. So this is a really big deal. And and I think this confidence that Mike Elko and the coaching staff has instilled in our players is rubbing off on all of us that we're, we're, we're inspired, we're confident and we're loving it. So keep it up, please. This is great. All right, we're going to move on to a couple other really, really quick basketball topics. The first one is this, just a short time ago, like literally 10, 15 minutes ago, uh, John Shire, uh, Duke men's basketball released a video uh, of John Shire at practice, talking to the team, inspiring them a little bit. And at one point in the video, he just sort of throws out three goes, three of you have been named captains. The video does not cut and show us who those captains are. They never say who the captains are. Donald, I go to you. Speculate for me, my friend. Who do you think are the tri-captains of this year's Duke Blue Devils? Okay, so I think two of them are no-brainers, right? Jeremy Roach was the lone captain, or he's been a captain for, for quite a while if he hasn't been named uh, a captain. I think he was a captain as a junior, right? He was captain as a junior in, in, in this past year. Um, uh, you mean as a sophomore? Yes, he was. He was. I'm sorry, sophomore, junior, and sophomore yeah, and so junior. Think, and now that now that he's a senior, I, th- I agree with you. There's no brainer that Jeremy Roach is one of the captains. no brainer. And honestly, Jason, when we think about it, look, there, there's been very, there's been a only but a, a select few players that have been named a captain three years in a row for Duke. Yeah. Uh, and Jeremy Roach enters some elite company uh, if that is the case, which I I am going to assume it is. I think the other one, Ryan Young, I think that also was a totally no brainer. Yeah, uh, and 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 quite honestly deserves it with the leadership that he has provided. Again, we we talk on this on this show all the time about how much of an absolute joy it has been to have Ryan Young on this team. Jason, I don't know if you listened to the John Shire episode of the Brotherhood podcast, but even he just like, yo, just you having just having you here is just has been absolutely amazing. And so I I feel that love for Ryan Young. I think Ryan Young is captain. The yeah, third and he's, one I think he's is a, interesting. Really quick on Ryan Young, you can tell he's a big personality, and that's yeah. one of the things you look for in a cat. And he's someone who's thoughtful. He's someone who has the respect, clearly has the respect of his teammates, and accepts the responsibility. Right, the yeah. leadership responsibility. You can be a leader without accepting the responsibility. He accepts that responsibility. Case in point, he's you know been the leader of of putting the Duke face forward on that podcast. Right, that seems yeah. like a small thing. But for them to trust in him that he can be the voice of the team means that he has accepted the responsibility of the leadership of said team. I think he's the second captain. All right, so we've got the two easy ones out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Now comes the hard part. Who do you think is the third captain? I don't know. I think it's down to two guys. I think Kyle Filipowski and honestly, I think Jalen Blakes because Jalen Blakes is the junior on the team. He's been around for a while. Again, he knows the system. He's clear, He's guy that the, the players absolutely love and and like he's not a guy that's like he whatever assignment that he's given or not given right like he's had he's had you know years where he's played a lot he's had years where he has sat on the bench he's accepted whatever role he's been given and whenever he's on the court he maximizes that I think he earned a lot of respect by playing the whole season with a broken nose right and not yeah. getting the surgery because he said I didn't want to let my team down by being out for a few weeks like that sort of thing are all little things, those intangibles that I think mean that it's, pro- I, I'm not going to say probably, but I think if we're going to give odds here between Flip and Jalen, I think it's 65-35 Jalen Blakes to Kyle Filipowski. I agree with you. Those are the two guys I identified as well. I was tempted to 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 look into, you know, think about maybe, maybe Tyrese Proctor, but 
I just get the impression from listening to him uh, do interviews and other stuff that Tyrese isn't a super vocal kind of guy that um, not to say he's not a leader, but I, 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 I suspect that, that probably he's not the kind of guy to, to sort of jump out and say, as a sophomore, this guy should be, should be a captain. Um, uh, same kind of way with Mark Mitchell. I, I, I thought about Mark Mitchell for a little bit. I think he'd be a really interesting mm-hmm. choice. I, I think it's Kyle Filipowski, and I'll and I agree with you by the way. Jalen Blake's is also if it's Jalen Blake's, I won't be surprised one bit. Um, because he does feel and he will, like a guy he will have earned it. Like I think yes. we're talking about guys who who will have earned that 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 honor and not about and like, that respect. Oh, it's yeah. Mark, like what? what no, all these guys are totally guys that I think would step up. And Jason, before you get into your rationale for for Kyle, I think for Tyrus Proctor. I think leadership can come in a lot of different ways. We've had guys that have been on the bench that have not been in the game a lot, but have still been captain, right? Because they they exude leadership in different ways. That's why I think Jalen Blakes will be great because even if he's not going to play, he can still make sure that that second unit's ready. The, the leadership can come. It doesn't necessarily have to be vocal. It could be by example. And I think in Tyrus Proctor, if he, if he was him, and I don't think it's him, but if it was him, it would probably because of his example that he can set on the court and not necessarily him getting after a guy or, or, or riling up the troops, so to speak, with his voice, whereas other guys would probably break up that responsibility. Yeah, and so the reason I think it's Kyle Filipowski is this. I think that the the lead-by-example guy is, is Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Roach is not known as someone who's super, super vocal. And I think that John Shire probably wants a captain among the guys who are mostly on the floor, you know, again, I, I hope Jalen Blakes has a nice role on this year's team. I hope Ryan Young has a nice role on this year's team, but frankly, those are guys who probably aren't going to play 20 minutes per game. And I think that John Shire wants captains who are in there in the action um, of everything going on. And so that's why I sort of go to, to Kyle Filipowski uh, instead of Jalen Blakes as as the guy who who I think is the third captain, and hopefully my bet is we'll get it announced in the next couple of days, uh, and and then we can talk more about it, right? <laughs> well, Jason, I know I think there's supposed to be some uh, media availability later on this week on Friday, yes. since it's being the on Fridays for the first week of since the first week of practice. My bet is we we find out then uh, who these captains are, and but I think it's great that you know they know who it is entering the first official practice uh, because again. All of this stuff where they're building upon uh, all the gains that they made this summer, it all starts to add up now where all these details are put together. And one of those details is making sure you know when the chips are down, you look to who your leaders are, and these guys know who their leaders are going to be. Donald, there's one final thing I wanted to mention on this edition of the DBR podcast. It has been announced that NC State is going to erect a statue to David Thompson, the great Skywalker, David Thompson. They will be putting that statue outside Reynolds Coliseum on December 6th. And I just wanted to very quickly tip my cap to NC State and say, thank you, thank you. And also ask, what the hell? You didn't have a statue to David Thompson already? How is this happening? David Thompson. Yeah, wait, wait, Jason, Jason, Jason. I'm I'm not giving any credit to them. This this is forty years in the making. This should have been done forty what forty three years ago. No, we're not we're not giving them credit for this. This is this is something they should have already done. I'm joking, ladies and gentlemen. This is absolutely something that should have been done. It should have been obviously done a long time ago. And this is absolutely well deserved. He is one of the legends of basketball. 
I didn't have to say college. I just said basketball because David Thompson was that dude for a long time. Yeah. By the way, David Thompson, Michael Jordan himself has said that David Thompson is the guy who inspired him. And when Michael Jordan went into the Hall of Fame, David Thompson was one of the uh, one of the presenters, one of the folks who admitted him into the Hall of Fame. And I think, Donald, my big question about this is how are they going to pose David Thompson? I would love it if they were able to come up with some kind of design where we could see him putting a quarter on the top or a dime on the top of the backboard. David Thompson, who was only 6'4", David Thompson could go up there. If you put a quarter on the top of the backboard, he'd go up there, he'd bring it down, and he'd leave two dimes and a nickel change up there for you. That's how high David Thompson got. I hope they find some way to show the masses that David Thompson truly could walk on air. I hope it. I mean, it's it's NC State. They don't like UNC, just like we don't like UNC. My guess is they're going to find some nondescript UNC person uh, that David Thompson probably yammed on and and <laughs> freeze frame that because hey, would you would we say we put it on a poster? They're going to be like, nah, forget the poster. David Thompson deserves to put that on a statue. So I think it's going to be him dunking on some nondescript person, and we'll leave it to the to to people who view the statue to guess who that nondescript person is going to be. December 6th at Reynolds Coliseum. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And again, NC State, good job, guys. You finally, finally recognize the greatest player in your program's history. Jason, we have one more thing. Uh, I know we were we, we kind of got sidetracked when we talked about the video that just came out, but we were also going to talk about the fact that Sean Stewart set a record oh, yeah. in the, in the uh, superlative category. Uh, the uh, for for all those out there at the beginning of practices, uh, uh, sometimes the beginning of the summer, but usually at the start of practices, Duke will do all of the different uh, uh, different drills and 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 measurements and yeah, things they take like measurements. They'll measure, yeah, they take measurements of everybody, the weights of everybody that's going to use the official uh, roster, but also they do like standing high jump, standing long jump, box to box, like those lateral type of things that you'll see in like NBA draft, and Sean Stewart set a record for the standing vertical jump. He jumped, that, and that is you are standing flat-footed. There's no run-up. You're just standing flat-footed, and you jump into the air. He jumped 36 inches. That is three feet, ladies and gentlemen. Measure up to, if you're if you're a decently sized person, 5'10", 5'5", 5'10", measure up to your waist. That's three feet. He jumped up to your waist, and he didn't need to even breathe to do it. Now, mind you, the record that he broke was Zion Williamson's and Zion Williamson had 35.5 inches and there was four other players that were tied at 34 and a half inches. So Sean Stewart from a, from a standing set can jump higher than Zion Williamson. And everybody recognizes how high Zion Williamson can jump. We all oh, yeah. saw it for a whole year. Sean Stewart, according to this record has a higher vertical leap than Zion Williamson. I Jason am super excited to watch him make his own yam poster on somebody because he just kept jumping. And we, and, and Jason, we did talk about this quite a bit with Sean Stewart when we saw him on the, uh, the all-star circuits uh, in his senior year of high school, where we talked about how, how, it, how aggressive he jumps and how quickly it seems like he gets into the air. This is all a part of that. And, and all of that is, is means is his, his quads and his calves. They're working overtime, baby. Th this is great. Amen. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It, it was very, it was, it's really exciting as Duke fans to see these guys set these records and, and the notion that Sean Stewart is a 
higher jumper than Zion Williamson is kind of bonkers. By the way, Kyle Filipowski tweeted that he taught, you mentioned there were, you know, there's a tie of these guys at, at 34 and a half inches, I think it is. Kyle Filipowski mentioned that he's one of those guys tied with, uh, uh, tied at, tied for third in Duke history. 30, 34 and a half inches. Yeah. Yeah. So Duke gonna, Duke got some guys this year who can, who can elevate. Very, very Put exciting. The ball in the stuff. air, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap it up here on the latest episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup. We are coming at you again in just a couple days with an in-depth preview of Notre Dame. College game day coming to Durham for the first time ever. We're going to have so much on that for you. I I hope, I know, there are a lot of you out there who have bought tickets. The game is sold out. We could not be more excited for where Duke football is and where they're headed and the attention of the entire college football world coming to Durham this coming weekend. We're going to have that for you. But until then, he's Donald. I'm Jason. Sam is off someplace working really hard. Sam, Sam, Sam's too, Sam works too hard. You, Donald, you and I, we, we are bad people. Sam, Sam is a good, good worker, a good employee. I don't like work. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. For Donald, for Jason, for Sam, DBR Podcast signing off. Duke Band, play us out and take us home.